Would you look at that? Damn, I look good. What's up, everybody? It's me, Stephen Money. It's football season, and I want you to know that you can bet on me, the STN Sports app. So sign up today and get started with me, the local favorite. Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. Time to get it started with First and Ten with Vinny Bonsignor and Sam Gordon. What is good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Vegas Nation. First and Ten, your weekly go-to for Raider news and analysis. And here we are, you guys. Um, The season's not over. And the Raiders are going to the playoffs. Not only are they going to the playoffs, they are the fifth seed in the playoffs. They're on their way to Cincinnati to play the Bengals on Saturday in blustery, maybe even snowy uh, Cincinnati. Uh, and we will be there. Uh, there's there's free football uh, ahead now for, for the Raiders and, and Raider Nation. Happy for you guys. I know everything that you've been through, not just this year, but uh, for all the years. Um, it's great to see a fan base kind of rewarded uh, with some, uh, some a special moment that happened on Sunday over to Legion Stadium. And whatever is going to happen from this point forward. Uh, before I bring in my great uh, co-host, Sam Gordon, just wanted to say that uh, Vegas Nation First and Ten is sponsored by Station Casino, STN Sports, and presented by Blue Wire. Sam Gordon, uh, it was quite the night at Allegiant Stadium. We're going to talk about that for sure. Uh, welcome to the show. And um, man, it's just been a crazy season. I read somewhere uh, this morning uh, that a month ago, a month ago, uh, the Raiders' chances of making the playoffs were at nine percent. They were the they were the 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 lowest odds of any team that still actually had a chance. They were at nine percent. The Chargers were at fifty percent, uh, and here we are. The Raiders are in the playoffs. It's miraculous. It's inexplicable. It's unbelievable. They needed some breaks along the way. The Chargers provided a few of those. They needed to take care of business themselves. They did that by winning four straight, and here they are, uh, headed to the playoffs. Crazy. Yeah, unbelievable, Vinny. Uh, unbelievable. I think, I mean, you kind of, you know, we talked about it at length, just the trajectory of the season, what the Raiders have been through, and we don't need to get back get into that. Our listeners know what this team has experienced throughout the course of the year, but to rally and win essentially four straight, like, do-or-die games, right, Vinny? Like, the playoffs don't start until this weekend, but essentially the playoffs have began for the Raiders after that Kansas City game uh, in the middle of last month where they essentially had to win out, and they did, and all four victories kind of in, in thrilling fashion – Close games, uh, December football, old school football in a lot of ways. And lo and behold, the Raiders are primed to play uh, the Cincinnati Bengals on Saturday, a team that they have some familiarity with, a team they played in late November. Uh, but it was, like you said, quite the atmosphere uh, at Allegiant Stadium with, with kind of everything throughout the course of the year, especially the last month, building to that point. It was electric, and the Raiders delivered. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily pretty by any means, just like the last three victories they had. Uh, preceding the Chargers' victory, uh, but they got it done. Um, they got it done. That's all that matters. And now they're matched with a team that, again, they played earlier this year, played close through three quarters, and you know both teams seem to be rounding into form at the right time. It should be a great game on Saturday. All right. I want to take you back to Allegiant Stadium, uh, j- probably just at the stroke of midnight, East Coast time, uh, a little bit after 9 o'clock uh, locally. Um and I, I, I'm trying to wrap my uh, head around this, uh, uh, Sam, and uh, I'm trying to figure and, – and this goes to the point of coaching does matter. Coaching decisions absolutely matter. I know players win games, but sometimes coaches 
can sometimes help contribute to to losses or in this case yeah absolutely in this case all right so so let's go back to that um overtime drive by the raiders when we all know that um going into that game both teams get a playoff berth if the the score ends in a tie okay so we're sitting here 32 32 all right with a minute 20 left in the game and the Raiders are facing a second and 11 at the uh, Chargers 46-yard line. Definitely not field goal range at that point whatsoever. Um, you know, and they, they run. So, so you're, you're thinking, okay, what are they going to do? You know, from the 46, probably if they're looking for the field goal, if they're looking to win it, probably throw it maybe, you know, try to get about 10 yards, 11 yards to get into uh, 15 yards to get into Daniel Carlson, um, you know, uh, territory. Instead, they run it. Out of the shotgun, Josh Jacobs runs for 77 yards to the Chargers' 39-yard line. Still, at that point, probably not where you – I mean, you know, that would make it a what? A 56-yard field goal, right? 39. Okay, so that would make it a 56-yard field goal. I don't think in that situation, knowing that for the Raiders, hey, a tie gets us in, um, they're probably thinking – and I know they're thinking – all right, let's. We're good with right now. We're just kind of letting the time run out. All right, from the thirty-nine yard line, now the time starts ticking off. All right, the Chargers call a timeout with thirty-eight seconds left. All right, the timeout heard around the world. <laughs> the timeout heard around the world. Let me ask you this. Yeah, you're you're Brandon Staley. What are you thinking right there when you called that timeout? Why? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the way he explained it after the game was that they wanted to get their best run defense out there. But I don't know. It still felt like a weird, weird timing. I mean, like like we said, Vinny, I mean, Raiders came out in a shotgun formation, but I don't know. They, they ended up running the ball on that down after the timeout. You figure they're going to run the ball, keep the ball on the ground. It's less than 40 seconds to go. Uh, you're not going to risk throwing an interception, taking a, a sack, a sack, fumble, strip sack, whatever. You're not necessarily going to risk doing those things. To, you, to your point, you know, I think the Raiders were content. So let's run a play. Let's see what happens. We're not necessarily trying to get – you know, 12 yards or 14 yards or whatever. But if they do, as they did, they'll, they'll kick the field goal. The timeout was very, very bizarre. Uh, but what was even more bizarre to me is after the timeout, we see the Raiders come out in a clear run formation. Obvious as day. Everybody in the stadium knows they're running the ball. They're not going to throw the ball in that situation. You just laid it all out. They make the playoffs with a tie. They just want to make the playoffs, period. That's That's the first objective, right? Lo and behold, Josh Jacobs comes out. And what does he get, 10 yards on that run? Yeah, Ten yards. You're, you're absolutely right. Sorry for, cut, for cutting you off there. No. But, you know, uh, third and four at the 39, you can't take a knee at that point. After they called the timeout, <laughs> you can't take a, t- a knee right there because the char- you, you're, if you're the Raiders, you're thinking they're going to call another timeout if they call that timeout. Um, so you can't just make it a fourth down at the 39-yard line with about 37 seconds left in the game, right? The Chargers are going to call the timeout. You're going to now have to kick a field goal from the, you know, if you take the knee um, from about the 30, uh, what would it be? The, 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 maybe even the 40 because you take a little bit of a loss by taking a knee, all right? So if you try to kick a field goal from the 40, that's a 57-yard field goal. It can get blocked. It can, the, the kicks don't take long to, uh, you know, for, to, to unfold. So it could have been wide it could have been short whatever which would have left the chargers from the 40 yard line you know um a, a chance a chance to throw the ball and, we, and you, they've got a guy by the name of 
you know, uh, uh, Justin Herbert there, he's he could easily throw a 30-yard pass out of bounds. They kick the field goal and they win the game, right? So the, now the Raiders' thinking changes. They have to do something. They can't take the knee at this point. So in their mind, we'll just run it to the left um, and see what happens right there, okay? And lo and behold, they get 10 yards to the 29-yard line. Now they're definitely in field goal position and in control of being able to let the clock run uh, a little bit longer, which is what they did. And they kicked the field goal uh, to win it. By the way, the char- did the Chargers have another timeout? No, the- I don't think they had another timeout, did they? What do you get in overtime? Didn't they? Uh, you get? Uh, don't you get two timeouts in overtime? Okay, so why don't they call? <laughs> I, I don't understand why they didn't call another timeout there, at least to get some time. Two time- Each team gets two timeouts yeah, in overtime. Right. So anyway, so they didn't call the timeout to at least preserve a little bit of time. It, oh, actually, it doesn't matter because if he makes the field goal, the game's over. But the, the, end of story because it's 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 overtime. So, yeah, and that, that, that would have been the second score. So uh, I digress. But anyway, just, man, I you have to, if you're a Charger fan and if you're Brandon Staley, that's a long offseason to think about that. Like like the Raiders were literally saying to you, it's cool. We're, we're OK with where we are right now. We'll both make the playoffs. We just don't want to risk not making the playoffs by a bad snap on a field goal. You know what I'm saying? Like they they, they were being careful right there and and prudent, really. And the the Chargers just didn't read the room correctly. And on top of that, Vinny, even after so, even if you do call timeout to get your best run defense out there, <laughs> how do you give up ten yards? Ten yards, man. In a situation where everybody knows you're running the ball, so of course that ten yard run sets up. A much shorter field goal. Daniel Carlson, that's been his wheelhouse all year. He he makes the kick. And, of course, Vinny, there's actually a benefit to winning that game, right? Like we touched on at the beginning of the show. Now you're playing the Cincinnati Bengals as opposed to going to Arrowhead Stadium and playing the Kansas City Chiefs, who pretty much tripled them up, quadrupled them up in the uh, if you combine the two meetings this year. So it was such a bizarre – I mean, the, the layers, Vinny, the levels and the layers of that game, all the, the nuance and everything that was affected – there, what are the Pittsburgh Steelers fans thinking? How are the Steelers reacting watching this game? It was it was the game of the year. It was the final game of the year, in my opinion, the NFL game of the year, just based on how many different scenarios were coming into play and the chess match that was going on and the tie and whatnot. And and um, you know, quite frankly, Vinny, the Chargers had their opportunities. They had their opportunity. If they wanted to win that game, they had the opportunity to do so. They risked and were content risk playing for the tie, and they didn't. You know, they didn't come to tackle on that final drive. Josh Jacobs had like 70 yards in overtime. And uh, and when the game was on the line, the Raiders made the plays. The Raiders out-executed the Chargers in the biggest situations, the biggest moments. And that's kind of been the theme of the last month, right? It hasn't always been pretty, but when the Raiders have needed to execute or get a, or make a play, they have. And when the game was on the line Sunday, when a possible tie was on the line and a possible trip to Kansas City or Cincinnati was on the line, the Raiders executed, and the Chargers didn't, and it was very, very bizarre. It almost seems like they got in their own way in some regards, but it's a credit to what the Raiders did, and uh, and lo and behold, here we are, like you said. And it sometimes makes you wonder, because, and we've seen it before, all of a sudden the team of destiny. They were the cardiac kids. Yeah. And maybe, you know, there, there's sometimes where the mojo just jumps on you. You know what I'm saying? Like it's you can't – I'm sure there's no uh, analytical category for that. Uh, where somehow, some way, the the momentum and the football gods or whatever just kind of jump on your side, um, but hey, uh, that might be happening. And here's the other thing: you know what else it did <laughs> by winning rather than tying? And in a crazy season, call me crazy, but I'm not ruling out this scenario. Okay, if they settle for the tie, 
They go in as a seventh seed with no chance of hosting a game. All right. Uh huh. As the fifth seed, as the fifth seed, if things were to break correctly, and again, the way this season has gone, Sam, I'm not ruling anything out at this point. But there could be a scenario, let's say the sixth seed or the fifth seed or the seventh seed, uh, get they get on a little bit of a roll. Let's say the Pittsburgh Steelers win a couple of games, all right, and the Raiders win a couple of games. Do you know where the AFC Championship game would be held <laughs> in that instance? Yeah, at Allegiant <laughs> Stadium. So they actually have a chance to host the biggest game ahead of the Super Bowl. And it's just weird how things work out. Um, and I'm not obviously saying that the Charger, that the Raiders are going to go there, but something's cooking right now, man. I just, I just feel this, 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 this weirdness kind of going on in a good way for the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, look at the way the season is ended. They, they, they were able to win four straight games, and I know the Chargers didn't make the playoffs, Vinny, but look at that Chargers roster. Look at that Chargers quarterback over there, right? That is a very, very, very good team. Again, I know the Indianapolis Colts didn't make the postseason. They, 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 the wheels came off for them. They lose to Jacksonville inexplicably. They don't make the postseason. But take a look at that roster. Take a look at what they were able to do throughout the course of the season, the body of work that they had. The Raiders went on the road into Indianapolis when Indianapolis was rolling, upended their season. And the Raiders ended Justin Herbert's, uh, uh, quite frankly, an incredible sophomore season. Uh, uh, the Chargers, very good roster. And that, it put that to bed, too. They go into Cleveland. When Cleveland is in desperation mode, needing to win to extend their season, the Raiders essentially extinguish that. Right, they extinguished Denver. They put Denver to bed too. So, in all these do or die games, the, the Raiders have have they've just summoned away. It's it's weird, right? Like like you said, it's it's kind of a weird thing. It's hard to quantify. It's not like the offense is firing on all cylinders by any means. Derek Carr was was playing better earlier in the year. Now he's you know he's still he's still playing well, but he's not playing the level he was earlier in the year. The running game has kind of reemerged, and defensively, I think that's where it's really changed. Is this front four has taken over, and the the identity of the team is kind of shaped around his front four that is getting the quarterback after quarterback after quarterback after quarterback making quarterbacks uncomfortable and I don't know about you but I think all things considered when you take a look at this matchup that feels like a pretty good formula to compete with the Cincinnati Bengals and their explosive offense on Saturday right well based on what we've seen the Raiders excel at this last month it feels like those kind of factors would would matter in a game against the Bengals where look you're going to have an advantage in the trenches you're able to run the ball now maybe you're able to to to, to set up some shots downfield with Derek Carr if this game you know gets into a shootout it's 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 interesting how things have taken shape and again I think the Raiders are rounding into form Rich Passaccia talked about it last week there's an identity developing here and it feels like the team is bought into that identity and embracing that identity as they have embarked on their quest for the postseason. And now it's the time of the podcast where we're joined by Chuck Esposito, the director of race and sports for Station Casinos. Chuck, of course, joins us every week to talk about the Raiders, the Vegas betting landscape, all things sports, and in this case, all things playoffs. Chuck, regular season's over. Of course, it would not have been the 2021 regular season without some wild, wild finishes, including one in the finale Raiders charges at home. You have the Colts losing to Jacksonville, getting blown off the field. You have Baltimore and Pittsburgh. So many, so much craziness. Chuck. How you doing? I'm doing good, Sam. I love the craziness. Uh, you know, I think Larry and I were talking off air, and I think the most exciting thing was that the, the best game of the year to start the season was Monday night football at Allegiant Stadium between the Ravens and Raiders, a game that went into overtime. And maybe the second best game of the year, or maybe the best game of the year, was the one that ended the regular season 
at Allegiant Stadium, which included the Raiders, and went to overtime against the Chargers. So Raiders were in playoff form for four straight weeks. Uh, I seriously think you make a case. Two most exciting games of the year, prime time involving the Raiders. And hey, they just won, baby, and they move on to the postseason, which nobody saw four weeks ago. No, they didn't, Chuck. They were dead in the water four weeks ago. And lo and behold, uh, like the Undertaker, they rise from the dead and uh, and are back in the playoffs. And, and of course, heading to Cincinnati. We'll talk about that in a second, Chuck. But when you, when you think, take a look back real quick at the first 18-week season in NFL history, you have 17 games. You have all the storylines, the plot lines, the parody. The not parody, you have teams emerging, you have teams falling off. How are you going to remember, or what do you think was the most noteworthy thing about the 2021 regular season? I'm going to say unpredictability is that it was crazy. I mean, we, you know, we talked about the Chiefs after like week five that were in last place in the AFC West, yet had the second lowest odds to win the Super Bowl in the AFC. You talked about streaky teams, teams that, you know, the, the AFC North, which I think is totally upside down. If you would ask me before the season, two teams making in the North, who are they? I would have said Browns, Ravens, not Bengals, Steelers. Um, I'm stunned that the Colts, um, that uh, the Browns and the Ravens aren't in the postseason. I really thought that, uh, I mean, in the NFC, the Niners were kind of that team that was going to get there. It took a miracle comeback to get there, but really unpredictability, parity, and who knows heading into the postseason. Who knows is right, Chuck. One thing I do know is that Wild Card Weekend is awesome. It always is every year, and especially now that we have six games instead of four. Let's start right away with the game that's going to be kicking the whole weekend off. It is, of course, the hometown Raiders going to Cincinnati, where they are giving five and a half. Uh, We saw this matchup earlier in the year, Chuck. We we saw a a game that was close to three quarters and one that the Bengals took control of in the fourth. How much does that previous matchup, if any, go into setting this line? And it feels to me like these are two teams peaking at the right time, playing some of their best football. How do you see this thing shaking out now compared to how it did in late November? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter much to me at this point, Sam. I think when the postseason rolls around, you look at things differently. Um, you know, you look at the Raiders, uh, they were five and three away. This is back-to-back years that they've been able to post, you know, above 500 records on the road, which is always a good sign. Raiders have been playing playoff football for four straight year- weeks. You always want to see a team kind of hot. With that swagger and healthy, they got Waller back playing their best football. Only the Bills with four straight wins are tied with the Raiders for the biggest winning streak going into the postseason. Uh, This number has already dropped a full point from where we opened it up. So public is backing the Raiders already in this game. It's great to kick it off that way. Um, I think it's exciting. But hey, Raiders have been red hot right now. And I think we'll probably end up being Bengal fans as the public in Vegas is going to back the Raiders with their heart and their pocketbooks, which I've talked about a lot throughout the regular season. Yeah, they certainly they certainly will. And, and of course, after that frenetic finish uh, on Sunday and the way that the regular season ended, you know, who could blame them for that? Shifting gears here, a couple divisional matchups or interdivisional matchups, the first of which takes place in the AFC Patriots at Buffalo Bills, giving four. Uh, we saw this, this game take two different, like it played out totally differently in the two times during the regular season. Again, like you said, it's about how these teams look now. Um, when I look at this matchup, we know what what uh, Buffalo can do offensively. The question is, can Mac Jones keep up? How big of a spot is this for the rookie quarterback on the road going to Buffalo? It is a big spot. I think the Patriots are kind of built for a game like this. They'll them as well. I mean, they were six and two on the road. Um, they're a really good road team. These two teams played twice 
you know, late in the season with each winning uh, at the opposition's home stadium. Um, conditions when the Patriots won were miserable. It was snowy. It was windy. Um, there were, it, the conditions were bad. Guess what? On Saturday, it's supposed to be single digits, 30 to 40 percent chance of snow, really bad conditions. So it's not going to stun me to see a really close game. Patriots can run the ball. They can play good defense. Mac Jones and Belichick have played this team twice. Um, I think there's some value on the Patriots. We've also seen some action on the dog in this game. So both games we've seen in the AFC, these two games on Saturday, some underdog money show across the counter. Chuck, shifting gears to Sunday, triple header with all three of the networks carrying a game. Eagles, Buccaneers, and Steelers Chiefs sandwich. To me, the most intriguing matchup of all of Wild Card Weekend. 49ers at Cowboys. Dallas given the obligatory three. But it feels like, Chuck, based on the line and based on what I've seen from these two teams throughout the course of the season, that this is as evenly matched of a game as it gets. The two longtime rivals renewing their rivalry in Dallas, in Arlington, at Jerry World. Chuck, both teams end on high notes. Who are you? Who did you come away at the end of the regular season more impressed with, San Francisco or Dallas? You know, I think both teams, Sam, but the way the Niners came back in that game, um, you know, they're, they're a good road team as well. They're six and three. They had to win to get in. They were scoreboard watching. They knew the Saints were a big against the Falcons. It's a Niner team that was kind of that Vogue team going into the season. Everybody backed. But the big question was, would they get into the postseason? I think they're a dangerous team. Jimmy Garoppolo's played really well. Kittle's healthy. Samuel's been a total stud. Defensively, they're good. This is the lowest point spread of the three games, uh, yet we've already seen action on the dog here, too. So I think you make a serious case for Wild Card Weekend that there's at least four games where we're going to see substantial either dog play or two-way play. It's the two big favorites, maybe more favorite play on Tampa and Kansas City. But I think it's a really intriguing matchup with these two teams. And although I think Dallas is built to beat the Packers um, because they play such good defense, they have to get through the 49ers first. And I think it's a really great matchup on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Touching in on the other two matchups, Buccaneers given eight and a half, Chiefs given 12 and a half. This to me, Chuck, feels like two high-powered offenses, really explosive teams against teams that we're not sure that Philly or Pittsburgh can keep up with their respective opponents. When you take a look at these two games, feels like the home team is, is going to be in control. Right? Of course, you never know what happens, but the lines reflect, reflect what we've seen all year. Tampa's really good and Kansas City's really good, correct? Yeah, I think in Kansas City's case, these two teams played, Sam, late in the season and, and the Chiefs just dominated. Pittsburgh showed nothing um, that they'd be able to, you know, to compete. Hey, you give Big Ben another shot on prime time, um, you know, to, to extend his career. Mike Tomlin's a great coach. I mean, this team just finishes above 500 every year. They find a way. Um, and Kansas City hasn't played great over the last few weeks of the season. In the other game, the Eagles have been kind of the darlings of the betters. I mean, they win ugly. They run the ball. They play good defense. They have a lot of unders. They control the clock. Um, so, hey, it's a Tampa team that's a little bit banged up. I think Fournette and Evans will be back. Hopefully Evans, who kind of limped off the field in the late game. It wouldn't surprise me to see some Tampa money or some Philly money show up in this game. But I think it'll be fairly one-sided sure. in the Steeler Chief game. Uh, one other quick note, Sam. I love the fact that there's three primetime games, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. I've said it before. It's Yay Sportsbooks. Anytime you have an isolated <laughs> primetime game, it always generates tremendous action across the counter. And on that note, Chuck, perfect lead in Cardinals at Rams. I really don't know what to make of this matchup at this point of the season. The Cardinals have been, like we've talked about, they've been one of these Jekyll and Hyde teams where they're awesome early. There's a swoon in the middle of the season, and then they finish the year 
with really big wins at Dallas. And then, of course, um, you know, struggling against Seattle, but still not. I don't make too much of that game based on how they looked in the Cowboys in, in a real tune up. Of course, they could have winning the division was still in play, but they still showed enough offensively. And I think they're still frisky enough with Kyler Murray to, to, to challenge the Rams. The Rams, I mean, Matthew Stafford has become a turnover machine at this point in the season. Um, of course, the Rams feel like the better team, but with Kyler, you never know what happens. Rams giving four. What do you make of this matchup? I think similar to the Patriots bills where each one of these two teams won on the opposition's home field. Um, I'm not sure what to make of it. I mean, they both kind of limp into the playoffs a little bit. Cardinals best road team in pro football at eight and one. You're right about Kyler uh, around about Matthew Stafford. I think the big thing that really changed for the Cardinals is no Hopkins. I think once he went out, that offense kind of changed. You didn't have that guy that was catching everything and extending drives and moving the chains. I think Kyler Murray is going to have to step up here and win big. They went on the road late in the season, won big in Dallas. Um, but I do think you're going to see some Cardinal action in this game as well. Chuck, before we get out of here, any last thoughts on 2021, the regular season, and any preliminary, any more preliminary thoughts about Wild Card Weekend? I, I think, Sam, it's just different this year that only two teams have the bye. Uh, and I think it's just, it really favors Green Bay. We've talked about it. Um, the toughest place to play maybe in the NFL, the biggest home field advantage in regards to the point spread and, and our kind of rankings is, is having to go play in Lambeau and giving the Packers and, and the age of uh, Rogers and the injury to the toe uh, and that and Jones a little bit banged up that extra week off, I think is huge. Just kind of anxious to see how it kind of trends this year with betting action. They usually favor the teams with the buy, but I think it really will favor green Bay this year. It's going to go through green Bay and the NFC. We'll see how it plays out, but I'm just excited for the additional two games and the three prime primetime games. And if the postseason is anything like the regular season, unpredictability will <laughs> reign through again. Unpredictability, of course, Chuck reigns supreme in 2021. We'll see how the postseason shakes out. Cannot wait to break down this slate with you next week and look forward to the, my favorite weekend, maybe in all of sports, the divisional round. Cannot wait to talk about it. Looking forward to, to talking to you soon and enjoy the weekend in the games. All right. Thanks, Sam. You too. Would you look at that? Damn, I look good. What's up, everybody? It's me, Stephen Money. It's football season, and I want you to know that you can bet on me, the STN Sports app. So sign up today and get started with me, the local favorite. No doubt about it. You know, we talked a lot this offseason um, uh, on this on this podcast, um, Vegas Nation First and Ten, Sam. All year long, we kept looking at that schedule, and it was like, okay, it's daunting, but it's also uh, advantageous for the Raiders. They played the Colts. They played the Browns. They played the Ravens. They played the Steelers. They played the Dolphins. Uh, obviously, they played the Chargers and the Chiefs, but but outside of their, the, uh, I mentioned the Colts, right, and the Bengals. So, and we, we kept saying all along, Sam, you know, all those teams that they face, especially in that AFC North um, and AFC uh, da, 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 South, right? Yeah. Um, or I guess, the yeah, the Colts were, were uh, a, kind of a divisional um, matchup because of where they everyone finished in their in their respective divisions. But anyway, somehow, somehow they played the Colts as well. But all of those teams, when you looked at that AFC uh, end of their schedule outside of their division, were teams that, you know what? you can envision those teams also being in the wild card hunt. And the Raiders took care of business 
they beat the Chiefs, they beat the Ravens, they beat the Colts, they beat the Dolphins, they beat the Browns, and they lost to the Bengals. So they were right. Am I, is my math correctly? They were five and one in those games that we specifically talked about. Plus, plus they were two and zero against the Broncos, one and one against the Chargers. So they took care of business against the teams they had to take care of business. I know for Raider Nation, the loss to the Bears. What the heck happened with that? The loss to the Giants. Geez, how can you go to the? How can you lose to a hapless team like the New York Giants? But at the end of the day, those losses were less damaging compared to the wins versus the teams that they were literally dealing head to head with. And that's why they have the fifth seed right now because of how they took care of business against those teams. Yeah, certainly, certainly. And we we knew those matchups because those were teams, Vinny, that were good last year, that were competitive last year, that were in the mix last year. And we also understood coming into the season with the upgrades the Raiders made on the defensive side of the ball that we expected them to be in playoff contention. I think we both talked about that throughout the course of the year. And, of course, Raiders general manager basically set that expectation before the season when he spoke publicly to reporters like us before the year that, hey, this is a playoff team. This is what the expectations were. And uh, it looked bleak. But those matchups, those kind of – I mean, like, let's call it what they are. Those, like, you know, heavyweight kind of matchups, right, against teams that you think are also going to be in the mix in the postseason. Of course, I mean, you know, take take the word heavyweight with a grain of salt. But in those games, the Raiders found found ways to win. Again, it was not pretty. Uh, a lot of the times it, it came down it came down to the wire. It came down to the stretch. And, and I think um, that's why I think you've seen the Raiders have so much metal and moxie in those games is because they've been playing in close games all year. I mean, let's go back to the Monday night game. That was a chaotic, crazy game against the Baltimore Ravens, kind of like the one on Sunday night that they ended the season with. There was kind of a similar ebb and flow. Of course, the tie and all that, the postseason stakes aren't the same, but it was a game in which they needed to be opportunistic at the end to win and had to make some plays and had to withstand a little versity just like they did on Sunday. So they've been kind of existing in this mode really for, for quite some time now. And uh, and the fact that they're able to win these close games against teams that they have to, uh, that they had to beat the teams that are also in the mix in the AFC playoff picture towards the end of the season uh, is a reflection of their identity and that, that moxie and the resolve, I think that they developed on and off the field throughout the course of the season. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, you mentioned Josh Jacobs uh, and his production in, in overtime. Um, here's the thing about that. Uh, two, two out of the last three games, I think it was the Josh Jacobs went for over hundred yards, much needed, no doubt about it. Um, but in particular, uh, yesterday, or excuse me, Sunday against, um, the, the chargers, you know, it, 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 it was, it was tough sledding running the ball. Uh, the, the, the chargers were determined not to let that beat them. And it ultimately did, which was the irony of the whole thing. Um, but they were determined not to let the run game be what beat them. And they were playing tough against the run um, for quite a few uh, segments of that game. Now, I know that, you know, I was following it on Twitter and, you know, you have fans saying, stop running it, just throw it and blah, blah, blah. blah. And, and even in a game like that, Sam, I think there's value in running the ball and chipping away and staying committed um, and keep punching them in the mouth, punching them in the mouth, punching them in the mouth. It might not lead to a whole bunch of yards all the time, but you're wearing the other team out. And guess what? In overtime, I felt like Josh and the offensive line um, still had life in their legs. And I think the Chargers defense was a little bit gassed by that point and part of that is because staying committed to the run you you, sometimes when you run the ball and I know I don't know where analytics falls on this I'm not trying to you know play that game whatsoever but sometimes when you when you run the ball there's a uh, future payoff 
that uh, there's dividends that you can that you can reap down the line. It doesn't always have to be right then. You'd love for it to be, of course. You want to average, you know, ten yards a run if you could. But sometimes you're just chipping away for future use, and I think that worked perfectly for the Raiders. And I think Josh Jacobs right now, as he um, you know put it, he's kind of the closer. He wants to be that closer, and what a time for that run game to come to life for the Raiders. Vinny, I want to give you your flowers right here on our first and ten podcast. Right when when it felt like the sky was falling for the Raiders and they could not run the ball at all, you were adamant. Hey, it's important to get this thing figured out, and there is merit and value to getting this thing figured out. When a lot of the commentary was, hey, it's got to be in Derek Carr's hands. And lo and behold, the Raiders figured out, you know, credit that offensive line, credit the coaching staff, credit Josh Jacobs. They figured out a way to run the ball effectively in big spots in the last month of the season. And it was not pretty this year. We know the running game struggled. Heck, it was practically non-existent for like half the year. But when they had to have it and it was when it was a tool that they had to go to in key spots, in big moments, in really, really important games – uh, it, it it emerged. It, it emerged, and now all of a sudden you're running the ball better than you have at any point of the season going into the postseason, Vinny, where we know, again, potentially inclement weather in Cincinnati. We know that these games take any kind of shape and, and form, and you have to be able to do multiple things well. Well, Derek Carr was one of the leading passers in the NFL this year, and, and there's a, obviously a trust and understanding of what he's capable of, but now you add a little bit of balance. And even if it's not you don't, I don't think you need 170 yards like you did against the Chargers. It just needs to be something that's a respectable part of your repertoire. And that the Raiders have finally achieved that. Of course, against the Chargers, like you said, that was smash-mouth football that helped them win the game. And even against Denver, too. Smash-mouth football that helped you win the game. Uh, but big picture, to be able to, to, to know that if you need to get two or three yards in, in a big spot, there's a trust now, I think, in that offensive line to be able to do that and in Jacobs to be able to – to get key yards in big spots, and um, and and they 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 stay committed to it, and, and it worked. It 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 worked. The last three four games of the season, when they had to have situational runs, they were able to get it, and um, it 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 was. You were right. It was important that they stay committed to it. Here's another thing. I know that uh, you know on Sunday it was Darren Waller's first game back um, in a, in a, I think over a month. They had yeah, probably over, it was over a month because he he hadn't played since Thanksgiving ish. Um, and if you're a Raider fan uh, and if you want to look at the glass half full, um, yeah, there were some misses between he and Derek Carr on Sunday. Uh, I thought there was some rust that needed to get shaken off and some timing that needed to be reestablished. Sure. Uh, but if you're if you're thinking positive about that, those near misses are plays that are going to be there. Um, and, and it's just really a matter of making that timing connection and reestablishing that timing connection, which – I think Sunday takes a long, you know, takes a big step in that direction. Uh, if if Darren can practice this week, uh, I think it further establishes that. But what you saw on Sunday, um, some of those misses could could very well be connections on, sure. on Saturday. And if if Darren Waller uh, is back and activated and engaged and being Darren Waller, doing Darren Waller things. And Josh Jacobs is running the ball uh, as effectively as he is, uh, especially time on the on the timely side of things. Man, that can really um, uh, add some some new life at just the right time for this Raiders offense. I'm with you, Vinny. I'm with you, and and I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not necessarily sure this this offense is is well, you know, I don't know if you want to play a game in the 40s or anything like that, or right, in right. the high 30s. But when you look at 
the skill set of the, the players now, right? We know what Darren Waller can do. We know that he's one of the best tight ends in the league. He can get down the field. He can beat you short. He can beat you intermediate. There's nothing he can't do. Now you have Hunter Renfro, who, if you take a look at what he's been able to do the last seven, eight games of the season, Vinny, clearly establishing himself as one of the better receivers in the NFL. And it's not just the footwork and the route running and the hands and all that. He can, he can beat you in a myriad of ways, too. And now, like you said, Josh Jacobs, you have a running game. And Zay Jones, Vinny. Zay Jones has emerged as a big part of this offense. And I know Derek Carr missed and him uh, misconnected on a, on a potential deep shot the other night. That could have been six points. But he made the huge play down the field against the Indianapolis Colts. And in key spots, like on that third down on the what turned out to be the eventual game-winning drive, on Sunday, Derek Carr goes to Zay Jones. Zay Jones delivers for a first down against the Cleveland Browns. You're trailing. There is no possibility for overtime. You have to execute a game-winning drive. Derek Carr calls Zay Jones' number a couple a couple times on that drive to set up Daniel Carlson's game-winning kick. So he's emerged, too, as a complimentary piece in this offense. And, yes, it, it took a while, right? And the offense, is, is it's, it's not the greatest show on turf. We understand that. But there is a pathway to move the ball in a variety of ways. Now you have a full complement of targets. You have a run game that's established. The offensive line playing some of its best football of the year at the most crucial point of the year. And all things considered, Vinny, I think this team is really, like I said at the top of the podcast, really rounding in the form and figuring out how to play its best football, what its strengths and its weaknesses are at the right, the right time of the year. And that sets everything up. That sets up because I think Cincinnati, frankly, is doing the same thing. So it sets up what could be an awesome game on Saturday where you get two teams at the top of their game. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, the last time these two teams met um, was November 21st, I believe. And, you know, I'm just looking at the stats from that game. And, you know, Zay Jones was, you know, one catch for 20 yards. They were still trying to figure that whole thing out, if you remember correctly, because it hadn't been too long ago, um, you know, that uh, that that rugs go you know uh, yep. uh is no longer on the team so that changed a lot and it took a little while that's why you know having a 17 games uh season by the way that's the only Raider, way the raiders get into the playoffs was because of a 17th game the irony of the whole thing um they needed that extra game to punch their ticket uh to the playoffs so it worked out well for them um and there was some struggles but as we kept saying um uh sam the season's long enough where you can you can take a couple of weeks to try to get something figured out a little bit. And, and the Raiders, no other team in the league, I think, uh, has had to make some in-season adjustments based on some things that happen with their coach, with the star player. Um, and it took a little while, but now Zay Jones today is completely different than Zay Jones even in you know in the in the third week of November. I mean, it's just game by game by game. More and more is being established, and um, and 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 he's starting to deliver in key moments. So this team is a little bit different than the one that um, that that played uh, the Cincinnati Bengals uh, way back when. And that game turned in the fourth quarter. You know, the yeah. Bengals outscored them nineteen to seven in the third quarter, or excuse me, in the fourth quarter. Um, it wasn't a very good game at all for the Raiders. They had a bunch of penalties uh, in that game. Uh, let's uh, third down efficiency. Um, the, the whole Bengals kid were eight of, yeah the, the Bengals were eight of 16 the Raiders were one of seven uh, uh. third downs in that game um, they couldn't run the ball uh, there it was 159 yards to 72 yards penalties the Raiders had seven penalties for 77 yards um, so you know there was 
not taking anything away from the Bengals. Uh, they're a, a good football team, and the Raiders are going to have to bring it um, in, in a major way, especially on the road. They lost the turnover battle uh, two to one. Uh, they they the Bengals had the ball thirty seven minutes compared to twenty two minutes for the Raiders. Um, where was the plays? Total plays seventy to forty seven. So this was like it was just a bad performance by the Raiders, and a lot of that I remember when we wrote it and talked about it at the time. A lot of it was self-inflicted. Yeah. So if, if if the Raiders can just somehow clean up that efficiency from that game on the on the efficiency end, it changes things big time going in, going into Cincinnati. Yeah, it certainly does. And, and quite frankly, Vinny, I think you're going to need to do that. You're going to have to play, you know, clean football because as we've seen throughout the the course of the last month of the season, just like with the Raiders starting to peak at the right time, I think you're seeing that with Cincinnati too. Joe Burrow in his final two games, right, in order to clinch the AFC North. He hangs 525 and four touchdowns on Baltimore, and then he hangs 446 and four touchdowns against Kansas City. Both victories for Cincinnati, clinching the AFC North, and uh, and lo and behold, they host the playoff game. Right, that we we understand how explosive that offense is. Joe Burrow, two thousand yard receivers and a thousand yard back, but again, there is vulnerability there. No quarterback in the NFL was sacked more than Joe Burrow. He was sacked fifty one times. For a loss of 370 yards, he was sacked on 8.9% of his dropbacks. And even in that game, Vinny, the game in November, the Raiders had three sacks and made him uncomfortable. That was not one of Joe Burrow's signature performances. It was actually a very pedestrian uh, outing for him. 20 for 29, 148 yards, and one lone touchdown, right? This was a very defensive game through three quarters that, like you said, Cincinnati took control in the fourth. I don't think the final score necessarily reflects that the ebbs and flows of that game and how close it was for a majority of the time. So, um, yeah, Cincinnati, you know, the Raiders have to play clean football, but Cincinnati does too. You cannot afford to have those kind of protection breakdowns in a big spot like this. And, and the Raiders' defensive line, I mean, you saw the Raiders' defensive line on Sunday. You saw Max Crosby on Sunday and what Unique Nagakwe brings to the table and the depth that they have a defensive tackle. The defensive line the last four games has really, again, to me, been one of the primary reasons that this team was able to, to end the, the game on a four game or end the season on a four game winning streak. So, um, it's I, I, to me when you take a look at what happens, what's going to happen on Saturday. I think there's a, a fast, fascinating chess match element. You know, the, the, the contrasting styles of play, the strengths and the weaknesses. But um, but it's clear, like you said, the Raiders are going to have to play a clean football game, reduce the penalties. They didn't turn the ball over against the Chargers, Vinny. There was no turnovers. That would be fantastic for them if they can duplicate that because you do not want to give the ball to Joe Burrow with a short field with, with those guys that he has around him to work with. Yep, absolutely. And whatever happens on Saturday, uh, 135 locally uh, here in Las Vegas, uh, we'll be there to talk about it. Uh, we'll, we'll let you know when we're going to be uh, up and running next week. But whatever happens, Sam and I will be here to talk about it. Uh, it's been an interesting ride. I'm not ruling anything out, Sam. Um, but uh, other than those, there's probably going to be some weirdness and some craziness. Uh, and we're all about that here at Vegas Nation First and Ten. Sam, great job. Really appreciate it. Uh, we will uh, circle back next week to figure out everything that happened uh, on Saturday. Really appreciate it, brother. All right. Looking forward to it, Vinny. You have safe travels out to Cincinnati. And uh, we will be in touch the rest of the week. Uh, absolutely. And just want to say thanks to all of our listeners. Um, you're truly why we do this. And we appreciate all the support. I want to say thanks uh, to Larry Muir, our great producer, for everything that he does. We will check back in with you guys next week. Enjoy the week and definitely enjoy Saturday's game. Raiders Bengals in the wild card round of the AFC playoffs. <laughs> Would you look at that? Damn, I look good. 
What's up, everybody? It's me, Stephen Money. It's football season, and I want you to know that you can bet on me, the STN Sports app. So sign up today and get started with me, the local favorite.